0: Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of One Man Watchpoint, your source for everything Overwatch, and of course, Overwatch Champion Series. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr JM. That's at Sir SirDrJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on Twitter or X, if you will. And give me topics, questions, concerns, whatever you've got for the show, and I will bring them to next week's episode. If you're a returning listener, of course, thank you for returning. And if you're new around here, well, this is an Overwatch podcast where we're going to talk about everything that has to do with... Overwatch. Might notice a rough cut there. That's because I had a tab open on Chrome that was playing some very loud music and it really caught me off guard. So I just had to yank that out and uh, fix that. In any case, as you know, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM, so thank you so much for being here. You can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. etc. Give us a follow, leave us a review on those services. If you do leave a review, of course, five stars only. Why are you leaving a review if you're not leaving a five star review? And I'll bring it to the show and I'll shout you out, of course. Now, if you enjoy what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, you can of course check out the other podcast that I'm on, The Ready Set Pone podcast. Now, Ready Set Pone was previously your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant around the Overwatch League, but as we know, the Overwatch League is gone. The Vancouver Titans are uh, you know, all but of- but officially gone, and the Toronto Defiant, well, we might just have a little bit of news to talk about with respect to them. So, We did post an episode, of course, last week on uh, mainly covering the Overwatch Champion Series announcement. Um, And right now, we're not too sure what the schedule is going to be. So... For One Man Watchpoint, we're going to get back to every, every other week's schedule. I hope that on Ready Set Pwn, we do a similar kind of thing so that I can just have rotating weeks between podcasts. If not, we might be back with a monthly format. We're still deciding. So, in any case, if you like what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, check out the Ready Set Pwn podcast as well. One thing we do over on Ready Set Pwn that One Man Watchpoint doesn't do is, of course, we also interview many people, players, organization members, um, and things like that from the overwatch league so presumably if we continue we'll move that to the overwatch champion series uh, as well of course we know a few players that will be involved as well as organizations and of course we also know a few players and when i say players i don't mean literal players of the game i mean i mean parties we know a few parties that will be involved we also know a few parties that sadly won't but i think that's just about enough about that enough teasing you enough leading you on here let's dive into the show I'll do this alone if I have to. All right, so we're going to kick things off here. Uh, First of all, I should mention, we're going to talk a little bit um, broadly about esports, but also it's sort of about the game as a whole to start things off. Then we'll talk a little bit more about the esports side. And then, of course, as we know, uh, Season 9 has uh, just had their first uh, sort of trailer dropped. We now know a bunch of details about what to expect so we'll cover all that stuff towards the end of the show i know that's actually kind of a little bit backwards i feel like from how i normally do it but obviously i wanted to start with a particular story because it's uh definitely one of the most impactful things to the game as a whole um again also touches on esports but anyways let's get in there and we'll talk about it so we're gonna head over to gg recon with an article by yiska Which reads, and this was posted on January 31st, of course, so by the time you're hearing this podcast, you're obviously, you already know this news. Uh, It was very unfortunate, but I'm going to read the article. We'll talk about it. Overwatch Esports Division gutted just a week after OWCS announcement. Activision Blizzard has let go of most of its esports department, including former Overwatch League staff Zoe Gushwind and Matt Mr. X Morello, downsizing the team significantly across Call of Duty and Overwatch Esports. Activision Blizzard has cut back severely on its eSports efforts, letting go of 60 of the former 72 employees in the Activision Blizzard eSports division, according to The Rotation. For Overwatch eSports, the observing team and surrounding staff that had previously produced events like the Overwatch World Cup and the Overwatch League have been let go. Among the cuts were desk host Zoe Geschwind and shoutcaster Matt Mr. X Morello, who had been with Overwatch esports since its early days, beyond their esports duties as full-time Blizzard employees, both Gushwind and Morello moderate, moderated, sorry, several announcements for the general Overwatch team, also becoming familiar faces to the casual audience. The news arrives just a week after the announcement of the new competitive structure for Overwatch esports, the Overwatch Championship Series. Now, again, Yiska says Championship Series, and I'm pretty sure it's called Champion Series, but whatever. Geschwind even got to be part of the announcement with executive producer for Overwatch 2, Jared Noose, and Overwatch Champion Series lead Bailey McCann explaining the new format. Geschwind appeared to have seen the writing on the wall, tweeting, quote, After seven years of service, I've just been laid off by Blizzard. It was a dream come true to work there, and I'm saddened that my time was cut short. Yes, I was ready for this call with champagne. Gotta celebrate the good times and opportunities I had. We then, of course, have a tweet here from uh, Matt, Mr. X Morello, which reads, unfortunately today, along with a lot of other amazing esports folks, I've been let go from Blizzard. Casting Overwatch and working behind the scenes, planning some of the best years we've had with Overwatch esports and the upcoming year with the new OWCS was a dream come true. Hopefully I can stay involved, still stay involved with the Overwatch scene in the future. But if anyone wants to chat, product, production, talent work, email is in the bio and a heart, of course. Unlike Overwatch League, the production for OWCS has been outsourced to the third-party production company uh, companies WDG Esports for Asia and ESL Faceit Group in North America and EMEA. Some fans have been speculating that these broadcast talent positions as well as observer teams will have to be filled by the respective organizers. This would at least open up potential positions for those who have been let go. Given the recent economic hardship across the industry, contractor day rates have been plummeting, with some broadcast talent ringing the alarm bells. Before the news of recent layoffs at Activision Blizzard and amid layoffs at Riot Games, shoutcaster Mitch Uber Leslie tweeted, quote, Thinking about those affected by the layoffs in our industry lately. This has been a reckoning, so please be kind to each other. I'm afraid that the discipline of casting is in jeopardy too. With a start in March for the North American and EMEA regions, EFG will have to move quickly if they're looking to sign up any of the available talent and find solutions for many of the professionals who remained in the Los Angeles area around the Blizzard campus in Irvine, California. So the one thing that Yiska actually doesn't touch on in this article is that these cuts came, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me actually here, pulling up the calendar. So the 31st was a Wednesday Wednesday, i want to say on the friday so the 26th or even the monday somewhere around there uh it was announced or leaked or whatever that microsoft themselves was laying off around 1900 people and of course um a lot of that was presumed to be activision blizzard uh as they had just you know acquired the company and everything like that um so again, you know, talking about Zoe, of course, she says that, you know, she wasn't not expecting that. Um, and I think that's, that's gotta be the case for many people on the Activision Blizzard side. Um, and especially the eSports side, of course, knowing the changes were coming, um, having heard everything that they heard, I'm sure they were more, at least Zoe and Matt were more in the know about it, uh, than people may, may think, obviously. Given their positions, uh, given their sort of crossover between different areas of uh, Blizzard and in particular the Overwatch team, I have to kind of assume that uh, there were at least some inklings that this might happen. Of course, the worst part of it being, or perhaps the worst part of it being, that they basically laid the groundwork for what is going to be the next season of Overwatch Esports and uh, then of course they get kicked to the curb shortly after that. And of course, Zoe in particular having a very heartfelt message at the end of the last season of the Overwatch League. And then being involved in the announcement trailer of OWCS, kind of, in a lot of ways, it feels a little bit like salt salt to the wound kind of thing. Um, but again, you know, obviously she has demonstrated a great attitude towards it. Um, so has Matt, uh, which, ooh, a little bit of a voice crack there. I'm Sorry, I'm just ending puberty. Anyways, um, they've both been very good about it, as have you know, many of the other people that we've seen on Twitter tweeting about being let go and everything like that. Um, but the the interesting thing was, again, that Microsoft announced this, it started happening, we saw lots of people let go. And then it wasn't until like a few days later, I want to say, you know, four or five days, maybe a week later, that it then hit the eSports side. And that's when we saw, um, as they mentioned there, uh, what was the number, I believe it was 60 of 72, letting go of 60 of the former, formerly 72 employees in the Activision Esports division, Activision Blizzard Esports division. So by all means, almost the entire Esports division. So, you know, given Matt's integral position and Zoe's very forward facing position within the Esports side, I don't think it would have been unreasonable to think they may uh, keep them, especially Zoe is is kind of an interesting one because she's been such a face for Overwatch, um, Overwatch Esports that you you really could have seen an easy path for them to keep her and uh, put her in a position to be sort of the face of Blizzard Esports, right? Have her involved with Dota, have her involved with uh, with Overwatch, have her involved with those other games that blizzard makes uh what am i thinking diablo that's not what that's what i meant when i said dota that was silly anyways um have her involved in a lot more um even if she's not necessarily you know desk host for all of those um but get her involved in more keep her on as you know maybe the main face of overwatch because everyone loved her I, i would i would challenge you to find someone that had a problem with her or or any controversy that ever happened um I mean, hey, maybe it's happened, but not to my knowledge. So anyways, very sad to hear about this and see all of this happen to, of course, many people that, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have become familiar with either through Twitter or, uh, through the scene in general. Um, for, for me personally, uh, of course I met many, many of the behind the scenes people at, uh, the Overwatch League Grand Finals, um i have talked about it before but bailey of course who was in the announcement video of owcs um i got to know her a little bit spent a little bit of time with her at the event and everything and then of course there's you know the observing team was obviously also there uh very present uh doing their job um and then after the fact you know that was actually one of the sides that i didn't get a chance to talk to was the observing team um and kind of one of the areas where i was really kicking myself afterwards uh if i had kind of hung back at the event a little bit more and everything like that then i might have had a chance to uh to, you just say hi to hi to some of them you know give them props for everything they do uh i saw many of them i just obviously they were very much in work mode so i didn't want to disturb them anyways sad stuff all around disappointing stuff but as yiska points out not entirely uh unexpected given the shift to the third party tournament organizers obviously this does pose some pretty big questions with respect to the owcs um presumably the uh they have their own observing team or they are working on building a team that will do the observing for owcs it will be interesting to see who they pull and how skilled they are because obviously this observing team uh many of the people within it have been doing this for a number of years and i'd like to think they they have a certain skill that they've developed at doing this um there's actually, there's a number of people that I also still follow that, uh, have left that team. Um, but even still, you know, they, they, they have a very specific talent and a very specific job, uh, that they have to do. And for the most part, I think they did a really good job of it. Um, so anyways, I'm very curious to see who they can pull for something like that, but it's also going to be very interesting to see who they pull for things like the broadcast, for the desk, for the, uh, play-by-play, for the color commentary and everything like that. Because of course, as they mentioned here, um, rates for those people have obviously gone down because of, uh, you know, the so-called esports winter and everything like that. Um, with OWCS being a more, everyone loves to say this, but grassroots thing, uh, certainly they won't be paying out as, as much as they used to. Um, one interesting thing that I did come across was, obviously, friend of the show, Adam Adamu on Twitter, at uh, Grayson tweeted something about Uh, it's unclear what or how involved the Overwatch team is actually going to have in the OWCS. And that is very interesting because I think, in my mind, they had gotten to a good point in working between the esport and the team um, and setting things up. Now, obviously, there's always the debate about do you balance for professional play, do you balance for casual play, whatever. I'm not even touching that right now. Um, but I think they had gotten in a good cadence with respect to new season drops, things change, a few weeks later you have the mid-season patch and that changes things now. Usually the Overwatch League would remain on, I think, or at least I think they did, usually remain on that uh, patch from the start of the season and then play on that till the end of the season. And although that's maybe not ideal, I think it actually, it was at least an established sort of cadence and uh, regular thing that we knew about whereas now if they're not as involved with the esport if they're not touching it it could be interesting right i i have a suspicion that it's there's going to be very little crossover honestly they might do some promotional stuff where hey at the at the finals you know jared and aaron take the stage and show off the next big season or the next big change or the next big character whatever like that um but i do worry that it's going to be less less connected less cooperative than ever and that's that's kind of a shame because i i really like that from a casual player standpoint who loves the professional side um you know i I don't play anywhere near the level that uh, professional players play nor can i nor do i uh well i was gonna say do i want to but i mean hey i'd love to play as well as them but the point is um when i'm playing the game i'm playing almost a different game than these professionals uh but I'm one of the maybe few people that is into both sides, both scenes, you know, in, in my mind kind of thing. Um, anyways, I don't know what I'm saying. So let's continue. That's the Overwatch champion series details about the cuts. I'm really curious to see who they bring in. Casters, desk commentators, everything like that. It'll be very interesting going forward. Now let's stay on the Overwatch League or overwatch champion series path and let's take a look at an article by scott robertson published on february 7th that's today as of recording probably tomorrow by the or yesterday by the time you're listening to this this is on dot and this article reads toronto defiant becomes first former overwatch league team to declare for new circuit the Toronto Defiant isn't going anywhere as ownership group Overactive Media confirmed today that the team will retain its OWL branding and compete in the 2024 season of the Overwatch Champions Series. See? Now, here, I'm jumping out of the article here. In this article, uh, Scott Robertson names it Overwatch Champions Series, whereas Yiska always says championship. And I, I I am very curious where these wires are crossed and who's right, who's wrong. Maybe they're both right. Anyways, back to the article. To our knowledge, the Toronto Define is the first team that competed as a franchise in the Overwatch League to publicly announce its entry into the new Overwatch esports circuit. The 2024 roster competing in Champions Series is not not the roster that competed in the OWL 2023 season. You got a spelling error there, Scott, or, or grammatical error. The entire player roster and staff from the final OWL season was released back in October. The new player roster, consisting of DPS players Sugarfree and Merit, Supports, RuPaul and Vega, and Tank Someone will operate out of the overactive headquarters in Toronto, alongside team staff the Defiant's continued presence in the overwatch lines up with what overactive stated back in november when the team officially left the overwatch league as the toronto-based company stated it had plans to return to the game's competitive ecosystem as early as 2024 they've then of course got the tweet embedded toronto defiant branding uh toronto defiant everything really um where they show off sugar free of course lenny formerly of the vancouver titans so i'm very glad to see him uh not only back but back in canada and back on one of my favorite teams of course we've got Merritt, of course coming up from houston which is a pretty big deal of course second place team overall we've got vega who is a newcomer to the league but i have been seeing uh people such as kenobi on twitter uh singing his praises from the tier two scene we've got rupaul of course Uh, A major player on the Florida Mayhem, the number one team in the final season of the Overwatch League. And, of course, leading the charge on tank, we've got someone, of course, the tank, uh, main tank, for uh, the number one placing Florida mayhem as well. So we got a little bit of Florida in there. We got a Vancouver right. We got a little bit of Houston in there. That's our so we got number 1 and number 2. And then we got a newcomer. So interesting stuff. We've got, you know, a rookie here. We've got a couple of imports, of course. And then we've got a couple of uh I mean, I'd call them locals, but not quite. But anyways, very very good promising looking roster. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute here. Continuing with the article. Uh, since its departure from the League, Overactive has been busy with a prolific acquisition of both the Koei and Movistar Riders brands, merging both with its own Mad Lions brand. In addition to Overwatch, Overactive now fields branding, sorry, brands competing in Call of Duty League, League of Legends via the LEC, Valorant via vct EMEA, and Game Changers and Counter-Strike 2, among others. The Overwatch Champion Series represents a return to an open circuit ecosystem, allowing teams across all regions to qualify for online tournaments and eventually land finals via open qualifiers. Stage 1 qualifiers for Asia will begin in February, while Stage 1 qualifiers for both North America and EMEA will begin in March. The Toronto Defiant will be competing in the North American division. So, woohoo! Very exciting stuff. Uh, Really, really awesome to hear this especially because it was already leaked and for whatever reason Toronto has probably the lat the, the worst reputation in the league for leaks um everyone knew the roster in the final season of the Overwatch League before it was announced uh and they waited a long time to announce it even though it was pretty widely known I'm glad to see them jump out of the gate and just say you know what everybody already knows frick it let's just put it out and they did a couple of interesting things to note about their announcement tweet so, of course, they tag everyone, hashtag RiseTogether, hashtag OWCS. Uh, the OWCS is actually a different hashtag than, I believe, the Overwatch uh, eSports account used. So, interesting. Got to get some branding sorted out here. Rise Together doesn't have the actual Toronto Defiant uh, little symbol at the end of the hashtag. Now, of course, these are just marketing things. I'm sure the Toronto Defiant, uh, they, they just have to, whatever, register, pay for it or whatever, and they'll get it back. That's fine. The more interesting part about this... If we look at their announcement image, it's got everyone's faces, great. It's got everyone's name, great. We have some relatively bland, I would say, uh, font and styling here, which tells me I don't think they've fully spun up their their marketing side, uh, their, their PR side. Uh, social media presence, that's what I'm looking for. Um, obviously, again, being somewhat connected to the Toronto Defiant, side of things. Uh, I follow and, and met many of the people on the social team when I was in Toronto at the grand finals. And I know that I'm pretty sure all of them were laid off, uh, or at least most of them. So are they bringing them back? Who knows? That's a very specific Toronto question. But they've got their sponsors on here, Bell, AMD, TD. So of course, those are sticking around. I'm sure they have some really good deals with them. We know they have a uh, some pretty prolific sponsorships. But their jerseys in these images they do have the old jerseys on so old being the previous season of the overwatch league if you look closely you can kind of see the designs of uh of the jersey that they released just for the final season right um in particular look next to the bell sponsorship you'll see the little red line there um but what's interesting about this is i do find it to be kind of faded and i am curious if this is a, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this. I think that because this is sort of, you know, season zero, which is a term that I kind of hate, but let's, let's just call it, um, let's just call it season zero. Um, I'm curious to see if they keep all this branding or not, because we've also seen some hints again from Adam Adamu over on Twitter. Um, about their branding and how they have so many sort of different little uh groups <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what to call it I guess all those organizations that they're now a part of or that they owned or they acquired whatever um they have all of these and it's getting to a point where it is confusing and hard to keep track of I found an image of a tweet but I cannot find the actual tweet so I found an image of a tweet from Static at Static OW. Static having two eyes in it, of course. Of course, why wouldn't it? And he screenshotted this image from Adam Adamu at Grayson on Twitter. And it says, same org. It is our Call of Duty team. Our team names are, and then he tags all of them and labels who, which which uh, esport they're a part of. So at Toronto Ultra CDL at Toronto Defined OW2. And then he says, I agree. It's confusing. We will fix it for 2025. So I get the feeling Adam is soft-launching here a rebrand. Obviously, they're going to keep what they know for this, again, season zero of OWCS, which I think is probably the right call. Um, You know, they're hoping to uh, pull as many uh, fans of the Toronto Defiant and the Overwatch League uh, that were fans previously over to... WCS. They're also probably trying to, you know, uh, I guess what I'm saying is retain some of that loyalty that the fan base has, specifically tying everything to Toronto. I wouldn't be surprised if they move away from the Toronto naming of it and they just become the Defiant, um, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, hey, is what pretty much everyone refers to them as, uh, you know, shorthand kind of thing. Um, But given that this is no longer a a, uh, franchise league, they don't need that Toronto representation. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I think they're maintaining all that branding to bring over the fan base. If they're fixing it for 2025, I'm very curious to see what they do after this season. Because as you know, if you listen to this podcast and the Ready, Set, Home podcast, I've talked about this before, I don't think they keep the Toronto Defiant branding. I think they move away from it. Um, Originally, I had kind of thought that, oh, Toronto Ultra is, you know, has a lot more pop to it. I really like the white and the purple. Um, And I kind of thought they might jump on that train become you know just become the ultra and they would have the ultra cdl and the ultra overwatch kind of thing but with their representation over in europe being so big with the mad lions um and now the movie star Koei group which honestly i have no idea what that even means i feel like a boomer but no idea what 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 that is anyways um i could easily see them rebranding to be something more in line with that uh which hey i don't hate mad lions got some pretty cool branding. Uh, I like their logo. I like their colors, that kind of thing. So I could see it happen. Um, but I do think that that's a point where, uh, they probably lose a little bit of that brand loyalty. Um, you know, if you figure, let's say just because they have a really solid and diehard fan base. Um, if you figure they bring over, let's just pick a low number and say, well a relatively low number 30% of the fan base from the Toronto defiant in the final season of the overwatch league continue to watch OWCS even though it's no longer directly associated with Toronto and they just watch and cheer for the defiant I would say I mean if they get rid of that defiant branding they do have a very loyal fan base uh, but if they lose that fan base honestly that's probably two-thirds of what they brought over Um, and they're kind of starting from ground zero now that obviously doesn't account for any new fans that they acquire over the owcs season um and fans of someone and fans of rupaul and some fans of merit um even tier two fans like uh, uh fans of vega um obviously fans of lenny i didn't think i needed to mention him sorry sugar free uh but in any case very very interesting stuff lots to speculate on here um but also just awesome that we know a team we know a roster it's confirmed I'm looking forward to more coming out now. I think I think this is the floodgates. Um Toronto has kicked the floodgates open and I wouldn't be surprised at all if over the next 2 weeks we hear many more announcements. And I mean that makes sense with with the league supposedly starting up in March. It's going to happen. Now, that's sort of it for our esports talk. But there's something else I wanted to talk about that I actually couldn't really find an article on, uh, but I know did get released. Um, So actually, now that I think about it, I know exactly where to find it, but I'm not going to go find it. I'm not going to cover it as a whole story. I'm just going to talk about it loosely. So on last week's episode um, of One Man Watchpoint, I talked about the unknowns with the Overwatch Champions series. Uh, I think I even wrote some of them down in my in my run of show here. I uh, talked about prize pool, talked about um, orgs participating, of course, teams, players, coaches, staff. Talked about some of the region stuff being a little unclear. Talked about some of the format stuff being unknown or unclear, um, and then of course future growth. Now the interesting thing that relates to all of this is that we have some of those answers because we actually got a uh, a player rule book uh, released. So. I didn't go ahead and download a copy or anything like that. Um, if you want to hear about it, go check out the latest episode of uh, the Tactical Crouch podcast. Of course, Yiska, who I already talked about, uh, his article here from GG Recon and Volumel uh, run that podcast. And very informative. Uh, they actually break down a lot of stuff in the rulebook and they kind of highlight some of the some of the answers that we get to some of the questions I mentioned. Um, but they also talk about some of the questions that are still lingering. Because uh, there are some. There are some things that aren't quite clear yet, even with the rule book out there. Um, but lots of interesting stuff to get into there. They did a whole podcast on it. It's hour and a half, two hours long. Um, so by all means, if you want to know more, if you want some of those answers, mostly around, I'd say, the format um, and the teams and organizations, what they can and can't do and build and things like that, go check that out they'll talk a lot about it so anyways shout out to them moving on from there that's actually it for our esports talk so if you're here for overwatch esports overwatch championship no champion series then feel free to bounce it's all good i appreciate you listening thank you so much you're the you're the best uh but now we're gonna talk about season nine So just today, of course, the trailer for season nine dropped. That's actually why, uh, now that I think about it, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show. It's February 7th, which is, of course, a Wednesday. I'm recording on the evening of the 7th. This will post on the morning of the 8th. And normally I record on a Tuesday post on a Wednesday. But I knew this trailer was dropping on the Wednesday. um, And I wanted to have a little bit more to talk about. Uh, So I held off recording so that we could see the trailer and I could talk about it. So I've got an article here. I'll go through it. It'll cover most of the details about Season 9. I've also pulled up the Overwatch Cavalry, that's at OW Cavalry on Twitter. Um, they posted a whole bunch of screenshots, a whole bunch of uh, information that was dropped through the video, um, but overall just good, fun information uh, that they're pulling out of the video that uh, will kind of break down. So let's dive into the article first. This is going to be from .esports.com, published on February 7th by Scott Dew, and it reads, Overwatch 2 Season 9, Champions is bringing massive changes next week along with a new Mythic Moira skin. Now, one thing that I just put together, I just put this together and I can't believe it, Champions is the title of the season, it is the overall theme. That's interesting, of course, because we know this Season 9 is bringing the major competitive rework, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, And they talked about at, uh, I believe it was BlizzCon, uh, where they kind of unveiled and said it was coming in season nine. Um, So that made sense to me. I made that connection. The neural pathways in my brain. They made that connection between competitive rework, champions as the theme. What I just realized is that the theme of champions, of course, ties directly into the Overwatch champions series, which kicks off in February and March. And of course, Season 9 kicks off on February 13th, I think, next Tuesday. Holy cow, there are multiple threads here. I can't believe I just realized this. can't believe I didn't put that together earlier, especially because I've been saying Champions so much. It wasn't until I have been saying it a whole bunch, and then I just read it in front of me, big title caps here. Anyways, let's read this article. Overwatch 2 Season 9 Champions is bringing massive changes next week, along with a new Mythic Moira skin. The big competitive rework is here. Overwatch 2's Season 9 is called Champions, and a new trailer for it has shown off what players can expect when it drops next week. Today's trailer shows off and confirms a slew of changes and additions to Overwatch 2 in the new season, themed around a full competitive rework and rank reset for all players. Progress will now track each game as opposed to after a certain number of wins or losses scrolling on down here champions will include several other big tweaks to competitive play in overwatch 2 including an all-new rank named ultimate that's even higher than grandmaster changes to grouping restrictions and jade weapon skins for players to spend their competitive points on the new mythic skin in the season is ancient collar moira and several new shop skins are coming to the game as displayed in the trailer such as valentine's day themed outfits including a return of cupid hanzo and a new adorable one for none other than reaper A new mode for Hero Mastery called Gauntlet is also included, where players can group up to defend towers from robotic enemies as a variety of heroes in a PvE environment. The full patch notes for the update will come alongside Season 9 next week, but a purported leak via a former Overwatch League player points to a sweeping overhaul of the entire roster of heroes. While Blizzard has previously confirmed that tanks and damage heroes will be getting a passive healing ability like supports, the leaked notes also point to changes to projectile size and speed, changes to health values, HP, armor, and shields for most of the roster, and even some new abilities. Overwatch 2's Season 9, Champions, goes live next week on February 13th across all platforms so of course nothing groundbreaking there of course we we already knew a bunch of that stuff uh, but we did get the unveil of many of the details right um the competitive rework again was already known to be coming in season nine um we'd already seen much of it teased and everything like that uh which very very cool very interesting very exciting stuff um and for me personally, I know I've talked about this before as well. I was really actually kind of looking forward to this. Uh, not not. I mean, I don't care so much about the rank reset, but the competitive rework where they're they're kind of reworking how they display information to you and everything. I'm hopeful that it will give more of a peek behind the curtain as to how the game is is managing you and calculating your rank and everything like that. Um, and you know, I don't I don't need it to hold my hand and tell me what I need to do better. Obviously, I know when I suck at the game, but I want to see uh, what it's looking at. Um, and in my mind, it, it will help people analyze a little better and say, okay, what do I need to work on to improve my rank? So as someone who has kind of dropped off from competitive since the release of Overwatch 2, um, and I was only really loosely into it in Overwatch 1, I am looking forward to this. It's kind of a, it's a fresh start. It's another chance to get in there. Uh, I, I hope it's well-received. I hope it works well. Um, and I hope it, it is a meaningful change uh, because, I mean, as as they mentioned, like it's an overhaul, right? The game has been out for about a year and a half now, a little less, I think. Um, so it, it is a big reset for them. So I'm excited to see that. And again, we knew that was coming with season nine. I didn't really know or think it would be the main theme and i kind of get the feeling that i don't know if it always was but with the advent of the overwatch champions series as we have now connected those neural pathways i think it made sense to make the focus on competitive they're saying this season is all about competitive uh we've also got the emerald weapons is it emerald or jade i can't remember if they called it emerald or jade hang on i've got a screenshot of it jade they called it jade here um, so they've got competitive changes coming, they've got new competitive points rewards coming. Uh on top of that, they've got a new esport starting up here and everything like that. So I think they kind of realized at some point let's make that the focus. But in the background, of course, we have the other half of the season, which is the theming of the battle pass. I'm a little bit surprised they didn't theme the battle pass around champions as well, because usually that's kind of what you see. Um but it seems like the theme of the battle pass is more of a, uh, uh, what do we call it? Eldritch horror style. Um, now I believe they, they may even mention that in the, in the title, uh, sorry, in the title, in the video there, that the battle pass is themed after this Eldritch horror. Now I'm a big fan of that style of thing of, uh, the whole Lovecraftian, uh, Eldritch, I don't know what else to call it other than Eldritch Horror. I've said that like nine times in the last five seconds. Anyways, so I'm really looking forward to this. Let's pull up the Overwatch Cavalry Twitter account, and we'll go through and we'll pick apart some of this stuff. So first things first, uh, one interesting tidbit that I have here is that a Farah update is coming to Overwatch 2 in Season 9. So this actually, again, all of this is coming from Overwatch Cavalry. That's at OW Cavalry on Twitter. But uh, it actually comes from Alec Dawson, of course, who is, what is Alex's title, lead hero designer on Overwatch 2. Now, interesting thing here, he's still with the Overwatch team. So anyways, uh, he tweeted, there's lots more to this in reference to uh, the sort of uh, roadmap tweet for season nine. And he says, lots of gameplay changes coming for season nine, including significant balance changes and our Farah update. More on those soon. So very interesting stuff there. Overwatch Cavalry then picked up on this and and you know made an image for it, qu- tweeted it out and everything, and then they said this comes from Alec Dawson. So interesting stuff there. I think Farah has long since felt like a hero from another from a bygone era. Um that's kind of the nature of the game, given how far they've come with their hero development and hero kits and everything like that. I'm very curious to see what they do with Farah to make her more relevant, more playable. Um, I think generally speaking, she kind of plays second fiddle to echo, uh, for me personally, I suck at playing echo, so I will choose Farah in a situation where I'm like, damn, if we had a good echo here, uh, this would really turn the tide. Um, but I can play Farah to an extent because she's a lot simpler. So I'm very curious to see what they do, how they change her and how they make it work. Moving on from there, I'm going to go through sort of some of the basics here, and then I'll jump over to that, um, what do you call it? That roadmap image that they have here. So Overwatch Cavalry also grabbed some screenshots of, uh, the Emerald. Sorry. I want to call them Emerald. I think that's what they called them originally, but now they're calling them Jade weapons possibly. Anyways, um, got some images here of, uh, from the trailer, one of Malga, the other of Doomfist with the nice Jade looking weapons. Now I'm reading through the comments here and I'm seeing a lot of people seem unhappy with this looks horrible, looks nasty. We wanted diamond, which like, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I, I, I get it. Yeah. Diamond would have been really cool. Um, but also like, man, people are going to hate on this game for every little thing. Like I'm, I'm down with anything. (laughs) Give me whatever you want. Give me Ruby weapons. Give me Jade weapons. Give me Sapphire weapons. Give me yeah, diamond weapons would be cool after we've already gotten gold, but give me silver weapons, give me copper weapons, bronze weapons, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, just give me more. And people are hating on this. Anyways, um, I like the look of these. Yeah, they're they're very green. <laughs> it really does stand out. But the gold ones were always very gold. Um, and I mean, the interesting thing about that as well is I was always kind of uh, surprised at how the team was able to make the gold really stand out when they would use gold or shades of gold on various weapons anyways Um, and even when you change those weapons to gold it was it would really pop so I think this green will just stand out really nicely and be very apparent when someone's using a jade weapon where honestly I feel like gold weapons I don't even notice on uh, on people in game because it Kind of does blend into the background a little bit more, blends in with the characters and the skins and the environment and everything. This green really pops. That's one thing that I'll definitely say about it. But overall, I like it, and um, I'm curious to see what what else they do with this kind of thing. So, that's one thing. Next up, we have a couple of screenshots of some of the Valentine's Day skins. Of course, if you haven't seen it, um, go check out the Reaper skin. Uh, there's a part in the video. Uh, the announcement video where they show cupid hanzo skin returning and then they show the the reaper valentine skin where he pops a heart balloon and it made me laugh so anyways go check that out but they've got some screenshots here on the overwatch cavalry of uh one of a kuriko valentine skin and one of a reinhardt valentine skin now um the kuriko one i'm not too sure about they love to give kuriko skins it could just be a mostly a recolor of another skin but Honestly, it looks pretty. It's a very nice uh, pink and white skin with cherry blossoms all over it and everything like that. The Reinhardt one, I'm pretty sure, is a reskin of... uh, I can't think of the skin right now. But it's got gold, it's got white, it's got pink, and man, does it pop. Uh, I actually really like this one. And, you know, speaking of weapon skins, his hammer is is gold, white, and pink. And I'm like, man, could we get a, a pink uh, hammer, uh, a weapon skin, that would be pretty sick. So anyways, some very pretty skins there for Valentine's day coming. Uh, the next image we've got here is some of the battle pass skins. So they've got a nice big image of some of the battle pass skins from the video there, the trailer. Um, first things first, we have a handful of skins, in the top left here, we've got one for Ilari, we've got one for May, and we've got one for Widowmaker. All looking very Eldritchy, all looking very dark. Uh, it looks to me like all their eyes are covered, which, if you know Eldritch Horror, it's all about seeing beyond and everything like that. So, on-theme stuff there, or on-brand stuff there. We've got a Sigma skin that looks uh, uh, horrifically incredible to me. It's got some very squid-looking guys on his shoulders. Very Cthulhu-like, uh, and just the, this dead mask, these these blank eyes on his face that I love. We've got a very Cthulhu squiddy-looking skin for Torbjorn here, uh, where, you know, his beard is tentacles, his mustache is tentacles, his eyebrows are tentacles, and his, his claw thing is is like a crab, crab pincer with an eye in the middle of it and all sorts of stuff. It's awesome. We've also got a Winston skin that looks to be like a ringleader of some sort uh it was kind of circus-esque where he's got a nice big mustache and beard tiny little glasses and a top hat i'm not too sure if that's related to the eldritch side of things but it certainly could be and then we've also of course got some screenshots of the moira skin the mythic Mo- moira skin which by all means this season looks like a return to more customization um i think the interesting thing we saw with this last season of battle pass with the uh, uh what are they what did they call it grand beast season um and before that, even the, the Hanzo Mythic as well. Um, I know the team got some backlash on the fact that you got you could customize your colors and you could customize your weapons. And that was it on both of those skins. Um, and I think both of those skins also featured more environmental changes. So the skin had unique sounds um, and the ultimates had uh, were unique to that skin as well, which I do think is interesting. But ultimately, I don't think went as far for most people as, hey, here's a literal thing you look at that looks different. Now, again, I know I just said the ultimates are different, but in the moment, you don't see your ultimate as as much as, you know, uh, maybe they felt like you should or would. So I do think that the right option is to have more customizability on the skins, um, but yet to see what exactly this turns out as. It may just be the face mask that changes. Um, I know in the video there, they do have, they do have uh, a couple shots of the Moira mythic skin. So I'm just going to scrub through the video here real quick and take a look, take a little peek and see what exactly it shows us. Um, overall though, I think, I mean, again, big fan of the Eldritch horror style, uh, big fan of the whole look behind all of that. Um, and I'm excited to see, how that all plays into the battle pass, uh given that the theme is champions, but the battle pass theme seems to be Eldritch horror. So a little bit a little bit of mixed messaging there. So it's a little bit weird on that side of things. Um, but overall, very excited to see this. And I mean hey, I'll I'll take a support hero mythic skin any day really. Um, you know, as as someone who primarily plays support, uh, I like to see that. So I'm looking at the Moira mythic here. And we've got a couple different colors. Looks like maybe when you change the color of the skin, it actually changes the entire thing. Uh, so the entire look is a little bit different. Um, but in any case, it'll be interesting to see. And it'll be interesting to see what the reception to this mythic skin is. Because, again, it's not always the hottest. But, hey, in this case, I am uh, I have high hopes that it will be. They've also got a few other skins that they show off in the trailer. A couple of recolors. So the Seder skin for... Uh, Lucio is getting a recolor, um, which is cool. You know, I'm, I I don't mind the recolors like some people seem to have a problem with it. There's a new shop skin coming for Life Weaver, which I love. It's more of the Eldritch style. He's got eyes everywhere. He's he's kind of an angel, an angelic skin. He's got lots of white feathers, but then he's also got eyes everywhere that are freaky. I love it. Anyways, um, I'm excited to see how all that turns out. Um, and yeah, so that's that's kind of the majority of what uh, the Overwatch Cavalry account talked about, tweeted out individually with one other thing being a bit of a tease at the very end for what seems to be a Cowboy Bebop crossover. So exciting stuff there. I know lots of people are big fans of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, again, I've talked, I talked about this with the One Punch Man, uh, crossover. I'm personally not a huge anime fan. There are very few pockets of anime that I enjoy and that I like, and that I follow. Uh, cowboy bebop is one that I know I, I should watch because many, many people that I, uh, follow and respect in the industry, um, really like cowboy bebop are big on cowboy bebop and that kind of thing. Um, but overall, uh, I've, I've, I've just never given it a chance. So maybe, maybe now's the time, maybe I'll get super into it and then I'll really appreciate this, uh, this crossover. I mean, that would, that would kind of be awesome, but they haven't unveiled the details for that. They just tease it at the very end of the video. Now, the one thing I haven't touched on yet is that actual image of the roadmap. So let's take a quick look here. It's going to cover most of what I already talked about, but uh, there's at least one thing in here that I haven't mentioned. So, of course, we've got Overwatch 2 Champions Season 9 starts February 13th. So at the time you're listening to this, you got about five more days to play this season. That means uh, get in there and complete your battle pass if you haven't. I do expect, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but FYI, they usually they now have a history of doing a double xp weekend on the final weekend of a battle pass so if you're not already there if you haven't already completed it you've got a good chance to get some extra xp this weekend likely kicks off on friday the 9th so by the time you're listening to this it could already be live Uh, for me personally i've completed the battle pass i've earned two titles i think now so i'm like whatever 96 97 ish um so maybe with that double xp i get my third one and that would actually be the farthest i've ever gotten in a battle pass because usually by the end of it, I kind of fall off and I quit playing a little bit, pump the brakes there so that I can get back into it when the new season drops. But anyways, back to the image there. The big, big title shot here, of course, is rework, reworked competitive. Competitive reset brings a fresh start, more transparency and accuracy. New highest tier rank champion. I'm really curious about this new rank and, and why they've done that. Um, I'd like to see the breakdown of what all the ranks are. Maybe it's in in some ways a part of me wants to think that it's to make you feel better about yourself. Because in theory, if you nobody's going to be in that highest rank right away because they're resetting everything. In theory, if you would have placed bronze previously, there are more categories now uh, for you to place in with that new category at the top. So you actually have a higher chance of placing in a higher rank. So where I was previously silver, I may now be gold or where I was previously bronze. I may now be silver. Now, neither of those are true. Again, I haven't played competitive hardly at all in Overwatch 2, so I'm sure I would have been bronze or whatever. But anyways, just interesting stuff there. Uh, Continuing on in the image, we have our our battle pass mythic ancient collar Moira and over 80 tiers of rewards. That's, of course, our Eldritch horror theme. The Moira skin is actually pretty sick there. I'm just looking at a still image of it now and like, that thing's kind of killer. I'm a big fan. Anyways, uh, beginning February 13th, we've got a limited time Cosmic Crisis event mode. Survive the Unseen Threat. So they do tease this in the video. It looks to be the on the Antarctic map. Uh, it's a little bit modified and it'll be a whatever, whatever this game mode is. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. Beginning March 12th, they've got the Hero Mastery Gauntlet. Team up and defend your towers against waves of enemies. So expanding out the Hero Mastery uh, mode a little bit more they've got all new cosmetics and in that image of course they've got some of the recolors and uh some of the valentine's day stuff they've got a limited time valentine's day uh image there as well which features the cupid hanzo and the reaper skin um i'm hopeful that the uh, cupid hanzo comes back with the i forget what they called it the lover watch uh browser web browser limited time thing because i actually missed it last season i last year I wasn't really playing the game at the time. So although I looked into it a little bit, I never sat down and just made my way through it. And honestly, I never got the skins for it. So uh, I kind of want that to come back and I might dive into it. Uh, but then one thing that I haven't talked about and I haven't really seen anywhere else is they have new Los Muertos weapon skins featured here. And it's got a picture of Junkrat's uh, launcher, his grenade launcher, and another weapon that I'm not too sure off the top of my head whose it is. But uh, this is cool. Uh weapon skins are something that i think is pretty dope and i do see them featuring more heavily um if you look at games like valorant this is something that valorant makes a ton of money off of is weapon skins right they just put out cool skins for the weapons and people eat them up um one thing that i had noticed in the game uh, a little while ago is the fact that we have those competitive uh point skins uh so gold and now jade Um, But then the hard light weapon skins, which of course released a little while ago uh, for a handful of characters, I think Reinhardt, Echo, Mercy, there might be one or two more. Um, But anyways, they released those a little while ago and they actually sit in a different category than the competitive rewards skins, which I find interesting. It kind of seems a little cumbersome to have them in two different places. To me, I think you simply have them in the same place, but then you have a subheading of competitive rewards or something like that within it and in there you can purchase the gold or the um, or the jade skins or whatever they release in the future and then above that just have the other weapon skins the the hard light ones or or the los muertos ones I'm very curious as well to see who these los muertos weapons uh actually are available for because of course the hard light ones were not available for everyone like I said it was a very limited set of uh characters I think it was honestly it could be 3 it's no more than five for sure. Um, like I say, I just named the three that I can think of off the top of my head. So anyways, very excited to see uh what that looks like and you know, does it drop right away with the game? Do they promote it at all? Because so far I haven't seen really anyone talking about it. Um so yeah, I'm very curious. And with that, that's actually gonna be all that I have to talk about. So I think we'll head on over and we'll Close out this show. I feel greatly empowered. Well, here we are at the end of another episode of One Man Watchpoint. One Man Watchpoint is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Today's episode included such wonderful topics as the number of people who were gutted from the Overwatch competitive side and Blizzard uh esports competitive side of things, which sucks. But of course, we got a little bit of good news with the Toronto Defiant announcement of their Overwatch Champions roster. And we, of course, dove into the Season 9 trailer that dropped today. And talked a lot about what's coming and what we're looking forward to if you enjoyed what you heard here today please like subscribe share all that fun stuff and tell all your friends about one man Watchpoint and of course about your host sir dr jm that's me at sir D R J M. give me a follow give me a like give me a whatever uh shoot me a message or a tweet or a dm or whatever on all social media platforms uh let me know what you want to hear on the show let me know what you don't want to hear on the show let me know any topics questions comments concerns whatever you've got Bring them to me over there, and I'll bring you to the show. And Of course, if you do like, subscribe, and share, uh, leave a review. Give us five stars, because, of course, that's the only reason you should give a review. And uh, I'll read it out on the show. If you did like what you heard here today, you can also check out the Ready, Set, Pone podcast. Both our podcasts are available on podcast services everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So head on over to your favorite podcast platform and check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast in addition to One Man Watchpoint. Once again, this was episode 134 of One Man Watchpoint. I'm your host, Sir Dr. J.M., and thank you so much for listening. Oh, you shouldn't have.